those of you who know Christ as Savior, this is a joy for the local church to come together. Even as we partake of this cracker, this juice, we're reminded of the body and blood of Jesus Christ, what He's done for us, His sacrifice to save us from sins. So today I want to encourage you, first and foremost, if you've never put your trust in Jesus, put your trust in Christ alone for your salvation. Be able to partake freely of this communion and fellowship that we have with Him today and with one another. And so then as well this evening... Uh, we are super excited. Instead of having service this evening, uh, we are going to be having at 5 o'clock our fabulous fall family fun fling ding and chili cook-off, all right? Um, I'll have you know my chili is already in the crock pot. It's not even on yet. It's just coming together, right? It's, the flavors are dancing around. They're getting, shaking hands. They're getting to know each other. It, so anyways, I'm going for hottest again, all right? So you, so you be ready for that. Miss Emma's defending her title of best. Uh, and so we're looking forward to a great night, but we've got door prizes. Uh, we've got prizes for best chili, hottest chili. We as well, if you don't like any of that, we've even got a jar of candy for a guessing game. All right. So if you like guessing stuff, you can do that too. Uh, but we've got door prizes. We'll have a good time. And then as well, if you don't like chili and you say, Pastor, well, I'm not coming because I don't like chili. Well, you could choose to do that, but we've got a problem solved. We've got more food than chili here that will be here. We've got corn muffins. We've got uh, some big pans of chicken pie. You say, what is chicken pie? Well, it's like chicken cobbler or chicken pot pie without the vegetables, all right? So it's even better than regular chicken pot pie. Anyways, just come. We'll feed you something. Worst case, you can have a whole supper of desserts. Uh, now, you've got to bring the desserts, all right? So if bring you a pot of chili. If you don't want to bring a pot of chili, don't bring a pot of chili. Bring something else to share uh, as well. Bring some desserts, and we will have a great time this evening. And as well for families and stuff. And for everybody else, we've got a little photo booth in the back as well, all right? But we'll get started about 5 o'clock, just a hair after or so, make sure everyone gets in and gets all the chilies marked. And we've got little cups for tasting as well, because uh, you guys are the judges. Everyone gets to judge, cast their vote, all right? And I'll make sure to point you to the right ones, okay? Uh, anyways, we're going to have uh, a previous church members' names somehow come up to vote for it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The voting's anonymous. It's all right. I'm going to get in trouble. Election season's a year away. We're not even there yet. All right. Uh, then as well, I want to say thank you. Y'all brought in 7,500 pieces of candy, the good candy. So praise the Lord for that. Uh, a big thank you to Mrs. Uh, Hayden's class. Uh, they came over and filled up our bags, and they were looking for something fun to do and to get some work done. So they came, they filled up our bags. So we've got 300 gospel goodie bags with gospel tracks and about 20 pieces of candy in each bag. So kids come by our table, they're getting loaded up. Plus, we've got probably another... 1,500, 2,000 pieces of leftover candy that didn't get in the bags that we're ready to hand that out with some more tracks as well. So y'all pray for that this Tuesday, uh, and we are so grateful that we can get to uh, get some gospel uh, tracks and literature out in the community. And then as well, uh, Saturday, November the 11th or the 18th, um, the ladies' ministry is going on a shopping trip uh, to the Pinnacle in Bristol, and so there's a sign-up sheet in the back, so you need to sign you. <clears throat> If you're a lady, go to the back table, read, a, read the paper, sign up on whichever one. Either sign up on the 11th or the 18th, whichever day you want to go. If you want to go on both days, then do that. And if you want to go by yourself on one of the days, you do that. Huh? No? I'm just kidding. Pick one date. Pick one date. All right. If not, I'll just pick it. And you guys are stuck with whatever date. 
All right, and then as well for the men, just a reminder, uh, men's prayer advanced uh, January 25th through the 27th. Deposit of $100 is, is due November 5th. That will take care of getting uh, you registered, and we can go ahead and book hotel rooms, all right? So if you're interested, men, sign up in the back. We've got plenty of room for you. If you haven't gone before, I encourage you to come. If you haven't gone in a long time, I encourage you to come with us. We'll have a good time. Uh, here this morning, want to read Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16 for us, and we'll pray and prepare our hearts uh, for worship today. The Bible says, Wherewith shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Here's what we find. The word of God is something for us to delight in this morning. It's something for us to come and to feast upon this morning. It is something that leads us to have it driven and and, uh, laid down into our hearts, that we can hide it in our hearts, that we would not sin against him. And we find that it is our whole heart this morning that should desire to seek the Lord. And so I hope that's exactly why you're here today, and that today we would not lift up half of our heart to Him, 99% of our heart to Him, but every bit of us would be lifted up to the Lord that we would seek the Lord today by grace alone, through faith alone, and we'll see what the Lord has for us. Let us pray, and we'll stand to our feet and sing and worship the Lord today. Father, we want to thank You for this day. We're grateful that we can worship You. Help us now, Lord, each one of us, O Lord, to seek You with our whole heart, to hide Your Word in our heart, to love Your Word, uh, to seek Your statutes and Your commandments. Father, we pray that for each soul today, that if there's one who does not know you as Lord and Savior today, that they would uh, repent and and trust Christ alone for their salvation. We pray uh, for each one of us today as we prepare our hearts as well for the Lord's table, uh, that we would be reminded of the sacrifice of Christ, that we would be reminded of our uh, position in Christ, and and Lord, what this means for us in this fellowship that we have, not only with you, O Lord, but with one another. Lord, I pray that you would help us now as we sing, that we do so with hearts that are filled Uh, with gladness and rejoice. And Lord, may you be glorified and honored in all things. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen and good morning. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Good to be in the Lord's house this morning. And if you're able, please stand. We'll start our worship by singing song number 500. Saved, saved. I enjoy singing this because it reflects the mercy of God in my life and yours too. Titus 3.5 tells us, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Save, save. Great. 
saved to new life sublime. Life now is sweet and my joy is complete for I'm saved, saved, saved. He saves me from every sin and harm, secures my soul each day. I'm leaning strong on his mighty arm. I know he'll guide me all the Saved by his power divine, saved to new life sublime. Life now is sweet and my joy is complete for I'm saved, saved, saved. When poor and needy and all alone in love he said to me come on to good part to live with me eternally saved by his power divine saved to new life sublime like now is sweet and my joy is complete for I'm saved 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 Man, that's an uplifting song. You ought to feel a little encouraged after singing that. Remain standing if you're able. And our next song is 193, God is Good. First Chronicles 1634. Yeah, way back there in the Old Testament. It still applies to us today. Thank God for that. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, I like that. God is so good. <clears throat> God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. He So 
people said. Amen. Our next song is hymn number seven, A Perfect Heart. And we'll sing this twice. So I guess uh, April will have to put that thing in reverse back there when we we'll do it the second time. <laughs> she already knows that. Ezekiel 36, 26 tells us, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away this stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh. Amen. Thank God for that. A perfect heart. Bless the Shake hands, share a smile, give a hug where appropriate, and make everyone feel welcome.
Thanks for helping out this morning, Stephen. If you haven't done so, you may be seated. And uh, if we'll make our way back to our seats, it's good to hear that good fellowship. You can hear a lot of talking and crowd noise there. That's a blessing to me. Amen. I hope everyone's felt welcome this morning. We're glad you're here in God's house. This house belongs to God. Amen on that. Okay, we have a special now. By our own, very own Miss Cammy.
very fitting song for our upcoming Lord's Supper. All right. If you would, please pray with me as we ask the Lord's continued blessing on today's service. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful day, beautiful day. Oh, Lord, what a beautiful day you've given us. And we praise you for it. This is the day you made. We can't help but rejoice and be glad in it. So we thank you. Thank you for your mercy and your grace that you've extended one more day. I want to tell you we love you because you first loved us, Lord. Please help us to sing and talk and worship you in song here today. And, and may it be pleasing unto thee. May it glorify you and you only. Father, help our pastor to preach your word today and bless him and give him a freshness, Lord, a power, a unction, Lord, to preach and proclaim the great truths of thy word. And we'll be faithful to give you all the praise and honor and glory for everything accomplished here today. And if there be one lost soul in our midst here today, we pray that today would be the day of salvation for that one. Please draw all near you, as your word says, Lord. We ask and pray all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you're able, we'll sing one more song. His mercy is more. Enjoy singing this about God's mercy. Psalm 136.1 tells us, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. I like that. His mercy is more. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is what love could remember, no wrongs we have done. Omniscient, all-knowing, he counts not their sum. Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Praise the would wait as we constantly roam what father so tender is calling us home he welcomes the weakest the vilest the poor our sins they are many his mercy is more praise the of kindness he lavished on us his blood was the payment his 
his life was the cause. We stood neath the dead we could never afford. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Praise the Lord, his mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Praise the Lord, his mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Praise the mercy. Amen. You may be seated. All right. What a great day of worship. So great for the songs, for the special, uh, to remind us of why we're here today for the Lord's Supper as well. And uh, so grateful uh, to just be in remembrance of who Christ is and what he has done for us. And as well today, I want to have us understand this that we need to not only remember who Christ is and what He's done for us, but we need to remember who we are in Christ and all that we have in Christ. Today, take your Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. We're going to go ahead and go to our passage for the Lord's table today. Um, finished reading a book not too long ago. It was a reread. I've read it several times, uh, oftentimes. In fact, every time I've read it, it's been through a, a hard season of ministry and uh, towards the tail end, it is specifically geared for preachers, for pastors, especially uh, the, the week in, the week out, the, the daily grind and struggle, uh, you know, for that one hour work week <laughs> that we get to enjoy. And uh, I've already preached one hour today, so I don't know how that math works out. But nevertheless, talked so much and convicted my heart about we spend so much time in preparation for sermons, funerals, and a multitude of other things, and events galore. But how little time we spend preparing for the Lord's table. The Lord's table preparation should not merely be me and Cammie coming over on a Saturday, filling up some juice cups, throwing some crackers on a plate. Uh, Preparing our hearts for the Lord's table is not merely, uh, let's just try to get a checklist of try to figure out all the sins that we've done this morning. I want you to know that when we come to the Lord's table today, we're coming singing what we've just sung. Not that I'm worthy, not that I have any good in me, but my sins are many. His mercy is more. Today, if you don't know Christ, I want you to know your sins are countless, but His love, His mercy, His grace is infinite and matchless and can abound all the more. And that those of us who have trusted Christ have been saved and have been changed and have been given victory and a promise that though we sin, 
that we still remain in him and he will one day deliver us from this body of sin and we shall be with the Lord one day. And as we come to his table, and as we come to this passage today, we are reminded about who he is. We are reminded about what he has done, what he has promised for us today. And so today, uh, let's read verse 24 uh, through 26. And we'll look at some other portions of the chapter as well, uh, but we're going to focus in on these few verses. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took of the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye, as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. For as oft as ye uh, eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Let us pray. Father, we come to you. Uh, we're so grateful that we can sing, that we can worship you and, and praise you, Lord. I pray that now that you would help us to feast upon your word, that our hearts and our minds would be opened by the power of your Holy Spirit to the preaching of your word. And God, it would be you that preaches and teaches to your people, that you would open up our eyes to our great need today. Lord, that you would show us more about Christ and less about ourselves. Lord, that we would make much of Jesus today as we gather around uh, not just your word, but your table. Lord, to fellowship with you and to fellowship with one another. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Something has kind of dawned on me this week in, in preparing that when we come to the Lord's table, we often make it much more about ourselves than we do about Jesus. Now hear me out. We all know that the table here, we go, well, this is in remembrance of Him. We go, uh, the, you know, we partake of the crackers and the juice, but here's, here's what I mean. We make the Lord's table more about us when we start doing this. We go, well, I'm not worthy to take it. I've got too much sin. I've got too many mistakes. I've got too many problems. I've got too much pride, I've got too much this or that, or maybe it's just an off day, or we ignore those things altogether, and we make the sole focus about the Lord's Supper, not about partaking in the fellowship that we should already have when we're in Christ, and we make it more so about, let me dwell and wallow in my sin. The Lord's table is not to bring us to this place where we simply look and we go, look how wretched I am, it's to look and see how good Christ is. It's to look and see who Jesus is and what He's accomplished for me. And that, yes, I've got much sin in my life, but I've got more mercy than I've got sin. I've got more grace and forgiveness than I've ever had sin. And what we find is that as we gather around this table, that this is not about us, and it's not about our life standards. It is about Him. And it is not about our work or our worth. It is about His work and His worth. And we've got to understand today, we're going to be focusing on this. If you want a title today, it would be simply this. Repent. Remember, rejoice, repeat. Y'all ever? Uh, you, some of y'all might not need the, the shampoo bottles, all right? We're not going to point out anybody that, that has that. You know who you are this morning. But if you see a shampoo and conditioner bottle, what happens, right? It says, well, I, I use head and shoulders. Okay, yeah, I, most times it's bar soap. But, you know, wash, rinse, lather. What is it? Lather, rinse, repeat. There we go, right? You can tell how much time I spend for, for this to look. This, it just takes no effort, I, I'm telling you. Uh, here's what we, we see. Lather, rinse, repeat. Why do you got to repeat it? Notice, if you read that bottle wrong, you're going to be in the shower for a long time washing your head. But the idea of repeating is that we need washing, we need cleansing, but we need the reminders of what we're going to get today. We need this these three things, especially to be a pattern in our life of repentance, remembering, and rejoicing. The Christian life is more about remembering foundational truths in Christ than learning something new or undiscovered. 
what we've got to understand is that you and I so often long and yearn to learn something new, and I can tell you why we want to learn something new. It's so that we feel more spiritual. It's most of the time not so that we become actually closer to Jesus, more obedient to Jesus. It's so that we feel more spiritual than the person next to us, so that we can justify our sin or justify our condition or whatever it might be, and we can feel that we're more worthy of His love, more worthy of His grace. None of us are worthy of anything. That's why it's His love, and that's why it's His grace, and that's why it's so different than our love, right? Now, as we see this, we've got to understand that we should not overcomplicate faith. The church in America today especially, the more that we have grown to know theological doctrines, the more we have overcomplicated the faith. The more complicated we have made Christianity. Christian life is very simple. Abide in Him. The Christian life is very simple. It is repentance. It is remembrance. It is rejoicing. It is repeating said things from before. It is depending and basing our entire life, every breath, every moment, every decision, not based upon ourselves or what we think or what we feel, but rather upon what God has already established and decreed and said and revealed in His Word. His truth is sufficient. Now, our focus is responding by faith to the revelation that we have been given by grace through faith. We are not looking for new truth, but resting in the truth that is already in Christ. And so when we approach the Lord's table, uh, to be honest with you this week, I I spent much of the week praying, Lord, we always come to the Lord's table. There's always the same sermon. It's always the same uh, pattern. It's always the same scriptures. And I wrestled for days this week. Is that all right? Y'all okay to know I'm, I'm normal like you? I wrestled with this. What do I preach? What can I give? And I, I remember asking the Lord for days this week, Lord, what can I give that's new? There was my mistake. I don't need anything new. You don't need anything new. We need the old, good, faithful, forever faithful, foundational truth of Jesus Christ. We don't need anything new. Now, I'm not talking about, bless God, we don't need any new songs or new clothes or new... (laughs) No. No, what we need, though, is to hold to what is true because it remains true. And because of that, because His truth never changes, it is always fresh because it is always faithful. And so what we need this morning is the simple things. What we need this morning is not so much to learn something new about the Lord's Supper or learn something new from this passage of Scripture or to learn something new about God or to learn something new about ourselves, but rather to remember what we should already know. Oftentimes we forget what we should remember. Y'all ever been there? But we often remember what we should forget. And here's where we're at. Remembering God's revelation demands a response from us, and today the response is not to sit here and to remember every sin that you've ever committed. That's not it. The purpose of the Lord's Supper is not for such. It's rather to bring us into fellowship with Christ who has made a way for us, who has declared us set free from those things and redeemed us from those things and has given us a a heavenly position in Christ that I am dead, buried, and risen with Him. And because of those foundational truths of the Christian life, because of the truth that remains from 2,000 years ago of this book, then I can come today to this table free because I am. 
Because I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And because of that, that is who I am in Christ. That is what I possess in Christ. And today, I don't have to wallow in my past mistakes. Rather, I can bask and rejoice in the goodness of Almighty God to save a wretch like me. Now, the Lord's Supper and us, this table, it will bring us to a place of repentance as it should. Matter of fact, every time the Bible is open, it should bring us to a place of repentance. Every day of our life, God is leading us into the way of repentance. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, we find as well, this table, it is a place to rejoice. Sometimes the saddest faces are when I'm looking out and we're passing out crackers and juice. Now, I'm not saying this morning that we should be irreverent. It is a solemn feast. Why is it a solemn feast? It's not solemn because of necessarily my sin that I committed this morning, but it's solemn because Jesus died because of my sin. That my guilt was placed upon Him. It's solemn because we remember that Jesus' body was broken and His blood shed for us because of my sin, because of my guilt, because of my shame, because of my inability to save myself, He stepped in and mercy has saved me and found me. But this is also the table that leads us to rejoice and to repeat. Repent, remember, rejoice, repeat. The whole of the Christian life is to repent remember, rejoice, and repeat until the day that Christ calls us out of this world. Now, first of all, let's look at this as the Lord's table being a place to repent. Uh, look at with me in this uh, chapter here, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's read verse 17 through 22, and then verses 27 to 34 here. Now, in this I declare unto you, I praise you not. Meaning, Paul's about to tell them some not good things. He says, uh, I got some things to say against you here. He says that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. He says, when you're showing up, you're not actually showing up and you're edifying. You're making things worse than what they're supposed to be. He says, for first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one, pla into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What, have ye not houses to eat? And to drink in, or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. Now jump with me over to verse 27 through 34. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat of this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. We'll get into what unworthily means. By the way, all of us are unworthy. We'll get into that. We're all unworthy to partake. It is Christ who makes us worthy. And so if you're saved today, you are worthy to partake. However, what is this idea of unworthiness? It is that you're coming to it with the selfish motivation. You're coming to it with pride. You're coming to it with the visions. You're coming to it uh, seeking your own gain and interest out of such. Uh, you are coming into it uh, dividing the body and even despising others within the body going, I'm more worthy than they are. And so here he's addressing some serious sin within the church. And he says, but let a man examine himself. So let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. We want to make sure that we are approaching not just the Lord's table, but every service, every time that we open up God's Word, that we are approaching it rightly. Perhaps one of the greatest plagues of today and modern-day Christianity is that we approach God the wrong way. You say, well, I can approach God how I wish. No, you may not. We approach Him as He has called us to approach Him. And the fact of the matter is this. 
We examine ourselves and we, then we excuse ourselves. Now, that's not the right manner. When we examine ourselves, here's the examination. This is simple. You want to know how to examine yourself this morning? It's only this. Are you in Christ or are you not in Christ? That's the examination. Are you in Christ and obeying His Word and, and following Him wholeheartedly? Are you hiding His Word in your heart that you might not sin against Him? Or are you in fellowship with the church? Those who are Christians who are not in fellowship with the rest of the body should not partake. It's the same way that those who are uh, not in fellowship with Christ, meaning those who do not know Christ, as they should not partake. Why? Because this today is for believers. Because ultimately, the church exists of believers and is for believers. Today, if you're lost, you are simply a spectator. But you don't have to remain such. You can be born again and be brought into the fold, be brought into the body of Christ, be made like us, the, the bride of Jesus, and belong to Him and fellowship one with another and to fellowship with the Lord. He goes on, he says, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. By the way, that word sleep is not that they conked out and they're snoring, it means that they died. Now, incorrectly, many have been so afraid to come to the Lord's table, even though they're saved, because they go, well, if I didn't confess every sin I can ever imagine or think of in my entire life and existence, then God is going to strike me dead and down. But that's not the case here. This is talking about those who were sick and dying because they had unrepentant sin, because they were showing up early and eating and drinking at all and despising the poor in the church. They were despising the ones that weren't just like them or that didn't have what they had or didn't think like they thought. They were despising the church and breaking down the church and God said, enough is enough. He says then, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we, ju we, when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord. So yes, the Lord's table is to bring us to a place of chastening. Why? God chastens those He loves. He chastens His children. Why? To bring them to a place of repentance. To bring them back to remembrance. To bring them back to rejoicing. And to repeat it all over again. He says, Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto the condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. The problems in the Christian community is that they had allowed themselves to be a divided body driven by pride, preference, and position. Worldly status had caused division in the church when it came to fellowship and especially the Lord's Supper. Notice this. What does sin do in the life of a believer? Sin in the life of a believer does not make them now an unbeliever. Nor does it make them less saved. The same way that obedience does not make us more saved. We've got to understand that what does sin do in the life of a believer? It causes disfellowship. Causes division. It takes away the fellowship that we have with the Lord. Our union is still the same. Our position in Christ is still the same. It has not changed. We have not fallen out of the ark of Christ. We've just fallen in it. Now what we see is this. <coughs> the sin in the life of a believer not only causes our fellowship with God to be off kilter, if you will, but notice this. When you're not right with God, you're not going to be right with the folks in the church. Matter of fact, when you're not right with God, you're going to not get along with anybody in the church. You're not going to be a part of the church. You're not going to be engaged in the church because you're somehow better than everybody else in that church. Sadly, this is the place, and most of us are not able to see it, but what happens is, have you ever noticed this, that you just 
nothing is right in your world. Every relationship you have is crumbling when you are not tearing with the Lord. When there's not that devotional time with God, when there's not that time of prayer and seeking His Word, when there is not a fellowship and a walk with the Lord, then we're going to be off step and out of step with our wives, with our church, with our pastor, with our fellow members, and we're going to be in a mess. The Lord's table is to remind us of the fellowship that we should have, and it's to bring us back into that. Now, many had become sick and even died from this unrepentant sin. Now, they did not lose their salvation, but they lost their usefulness and their fruitfulness. Here's what happens. You and I are only going to be fruitful for the cause of Christ when we're in fellowship with Christ. There is only fruit when we abide. We'll get into that another time. There is only fruit when we are plugged in to the only one that can produce fruit in us, and that is Christ Himself. And now as we look at this, we find that repentance itself it is necessary. And it is not an evil, but rather it is for our good. It is not for our hurt. It is for our help. It is to bring us back into fellowship with the Lord and with one another. Repentance is a lifestyle. It could even be said that it is the sum of the Christian life. Repentance, by the way, is not wallowing and focusing on your sin. It is focusing on your Savior. Repentance is not looking at your sin and then looking at it harder and then looking at it harder and going, yep, there it is. It sure is bad and ugly. No, it's looking away and looking to Christ and going, look how beautiful and glorious and wonderful and majestic and holy and righteous and forgiving and kind and patient He is. That's repentance. Repentance is not sitting in sackcloth and ashes and going, I'm just so awful. God doesn't want to use me. God doesn't love me. I must have lost my salvation. I just don't feel close. I just feel this. I just feel that. That's not repentance. That's far from it. It's just wallowing in slop. It's choosing not to live in the fellowship and in the union that we have with Christ. As we see this, Repentance brings us back. Consistently committing to turn away from and to turn to Christ is repentance. Spurgeon put it this way, repentance is, such a, is as much a mark of a Christian as faith. A very little sin, as the world calls it, is a very great sin to a true Christian. The longer you are saved, the more repentance you should have. Why? Because now you do see your sin for what it is. You're more aware of your sin. But you're more than just aware of your sin now. You're much more aware of your Savior. The sad reality is that many of us have been saved. We've been given a new position. We've been made new creatures in Christ Jesus. We have riches untold and infinite in Him through His body and His blood, His death, His burial, His resurrection for us. And what we find is that somehow, the longer that we're saved, we start to sour and prune. It should not be so. That we should become more aware of God's goodness and faithfulness throughout our life, that it draws us to repentance. It leads us into fellowship with Him. Repentance, however, does not make us worthy of communion with Christ, but rather prepares us for the communion that we have already been given in Him. It leads us to fellowship as we see our position in Him. All saved believers, matter of fact, all saved are believers. Every saved soul today has a place at His table. If God saved you and promised you a place at His eternal table, if you will, you have a place today around this table. 
It is to bring us back in remembrance as we repent of our sin, to remember who He is, remember what He's done, and remember who we are and what we have in Him. Repentance is not to keep us from the table, but to draw us near to Christ. And here's the issue. Most of us live our days in a false or a worldly repentance, a worldly sorrow, that we're just sorry we got caught or we're sorry we feel the way that we feel. And we don't actually mourn our sin. We don't actually look to Christ for our help and for our edification and for our growth. And what we do is we stay in this stagnant, wishy-washy place. And what happens to us is we think because of our sin that we either have to wait until the next day to get it right with God. You ever sin and go, well, now I can't pray the rest of the day. I've done it. You ever sin and go, well, now I can't read my Bible the rest of the day. That's ruined. Way, way to go. That's the time to pray. That's the time to read. And what we do is we do like our father Adam, our old father Adam. And what he did is when he sinned, what did he do? All right, God can't find me here. He went and he hid. What should Adam have done? He should have went and said, God, something is wrong, and it's terribly wrong, and I've done it. Instead, our sin, if we are not careful, it will lead us farther and farther from fellowship, and then it will lead us to a place where we go, well, where's the Lord? Why has He abandoned me? He never has. He's still going much like He did in the garden. Adam, where art thou? Not because He doesn't know where Adam is, but because He's drawing Adam to repentance. For his own good. Repentance is for our good. And to view it as not is to view it incorrectly, unbiblically, and ungodly even. It prepares our heart for fellowship with him. Notice this. First John chapter one. First John chapter one tells us this, verse five through ten. This then is the message which you have heard of him, and declare unto you that in God that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Meaning this, if you remain in darkness, you're just in darkness. That is who you are. You're still in Adam. You're still in your sins. You're still unrepentant. You're still unforgiven. You are still in need of salvation. You lie to yourself and to God and to others, but you do not actually know him. You profess Christ, but you do not possess Christ. You are a Christian in name only. You are playing a dangerous game. He says, but if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have, notice, fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Now, we do not partake today for forgiveness of sins. Rather, we partake today because we've already been forgiven. That's who we are. He says then, if we say we have no sin... We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So anyone today that goes, you know, I don't think I've got any sin in my life. Well, guess what? You don't know the first thing about being a Christian. First thing about being a Christian is knowing that you've got sin and knowing that you need a Savior. And then as you grow as a Christian, you're even more aware of that sin and you're even more aware of your need to repent and to come back to Christ daily and moment by moment to live in communion and fellowship with Him, to abide in Him. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins. Notice the if. You've got your choice today to either live and walk in fellowship with God Almighty, your Creator, your Savior, your Redeemer, or to not. You have the opportunity today to either uh, live in fellowship one with another with the local body or to not. The choice is yours. So what will we do? If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
Why is repentance so necessary? Why is repentance a beautiful thing in the life of a Christian? Because you say, well, it's awful. It's terrible. I hate repenting because it reminds me of my sin. No, no, no. Dear friend, our sin leads us and God's goodness leads us to repentance and, and it draws us away from our sin and its filth and shows us Christ's beauty and shows us now who we are in Him. It reminds us of these things. And as we see here, he says that if we confess, we can rest assured that He's faithful and just to forgive us. So this morning, if you've got sin, if you've got separation, if you're struggling in that fellowship with the Lord department, if you just feel that your walk is not what it ought to be or where it once was, I want you to know you are a simple step away from being in His presence and being walk in tune in the fellowship with Him and fellow believers once more. But it must be repentance. And if you will not go that way, you will remain in misery and solitude. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. Not only is the Lord's table a place of repentance, but dear believer, it's now a place to remember. Look with me in verse 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23-25. through We see this. <coughs> For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, same night in which He was betrayed, took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Underline this. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. He does not say in remembrance of your sin. He does not say in remembrance of your past condition. He does not say in remembrance of you used to be and, and your father Adam. He does not say uh, in remembrance of hell that you were destined for. Because of your sin. No, he says, in remembrance of me. That's why I say so many times we approach the Lord's table and we think more about ourselves than we do Christ. This is a moment and an opportunity in the life of the church for us to remember Christ. And if there's anything that we need, it is not to learn something new, it's to learn to remember who he is and what he's done. He goes on and we see this. He says, For as often you drink, eat, you show the Lord's death to return. And as we look now, repentance and leads us to remember who Christ is. It turns our eyes to Christ. It reminds us of where our salvation lies, where our hope lies. Unless we remember our union with Christ and His church, then we won't live in communion with either one. We put it another way. Unless you remember unless you remember who you are and what you have in Christ, you will not enjoy fellowship with Him or other believers. The one will be frightening and the other one will be an annoyance. When we remember who we are and what we have in Christ, it draws us near to His table. It draws us near into fellowship and communion with Him. You see, the flesh causes us to forget faith. The flesh never operates by faith. The flesh never wants to operate by faith. The flesh only wants to operate in the flesh because that's all it knows to do. That's its very nature. But we've been given a new nature. We've been given a new position in Christ. And so what is that new nature? What is that new position? Its desire is to walk with God. Sin gets in the way, causes us to forget the world, the flesh, the devil wish for us to forget who Christ is and what He's done and who we are in Him. 
Watchman Nee put it this way, the devil abhors light and truth because these remove the ground of his working. God has given us light and truth because He is light. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. And what we find is that as we see the light and the truth of God, it shines bright through the darkness of our sin and shows us who we are in Christ. Therefore, I will come today freely because I am free. I'm redeemed by His blood. If I, for one moment today, did not think that Christ's blood was sufficient for my sins, I would not so much lift a cup or a cracker. Because we would have no hope or assurance. We would, we would not think about fellowship. We would not think about anything. We'd be hopeless. And yet we find that as we remember the truth of God, we can fellowship with Him. We need to remember a couple things as we look at these verses. Remember in verse 23, we need to remember His service. Verse 23 covers essentially the night before, and, and this is the night before, even verse 24 and 25. This is the night as he is betrayed. This is just hours before his betrayal and his uh, agony in the garden. There he is in the upper room. He's preaching and teaching to his disciples. He served and taught his disciples. He washed their feet and prayed for them. You ever thought about that? The God who formed the world by the breath of his mouth the words of his mouth, stooped down and washed dirty feet of his disciples. All of which would run away. One of which would deny him three times. One of which would go and betray him. And he washed their feet in his final hours. We must remember his humility and His humiliation. Because before we have a body broken and, and blood shed for us, we have a Savior who lived a perfect sinless life. He lived the life that we could never live. He lived uh, the life uh, to ultimately give us life. And His life shone forth, proving He was who He said He was. Verse 24 and 25, we must remember His sacrifice. Take, eat, this is My body which is broken for you. How incredible it is that, that His body was broken. It was torn open for us, and yet not one bone broke, just as prophesied in Scripture. We find that His blood was shed and poured out for us. His body bore our sins and guilt. His blood paid the price for our sins and, and cleansed us. I want to read a couple verses of Scripture for you. First Peter chapter 2, verse 21 uh, discusses this. He says, For even hereunto we are called, because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that we should follow His footsteps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in His mouth, who when He was reviled, reviled not again. When He suffered, He threatened not, but committed Himself to Him that judgeth righteously, who His own self bare our sins in His own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness. That's what this day is about, by the way. By whose stripes ye were healed. Past, present, future. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. How about a familiar passage as well? Isaiah 52, verse 13. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled to me very high. As many as were astonished at thee, his visage, his visage was so marred more than any, any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The king shall shut their mouths at him. 
For that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. Chapter 53, who hath believed the report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and we shall see him there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. We must as well remember his coming. His two comings, if you will, is this, that He came once to suffer and to save us from sin. He is coming again to deliver us forever and to display His glory throughout all eternity. Notice this in verse number 26. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till He come. Just as shortly as He died and rose again for my sins, He is coming again. To Believe the gospel is to believe that Christ is coming again as well. To believe the word of God means to believe all of it. It means that we believe that Jesus not only bled and died for my sins to forgive me, but that he's coming again for me. We must not forget the things that we must remember. Don't forget to remember your position and possessions in Christ. Today, as we come here this morning, you are going to be incredibly tempted over the next few moments to only remember your sins. Do not give in. Look to Christ and see who He is, what He has done, and all that we have been given through Him. Don't remember that who you were, has been forgotten and forgiven by the blood of Christ. As we sang earlier, what love could remember, no, long, no wrong we have done, omniscient, all-knowing, he counts not their sum. God is not able to learn, and because of that, he does not forget. What does it mean to forget for God's forgetfulness? Does it mean he just forgot about your sin like it never happened? The idea is that he no longer accounts it to your account. Jesus Christ, when he died for my sins, my sins was put on his account and his righteousness was placed on my account. His death was my death. His life is my life. That's the Christian life. This is also a place to rejoice. And I hope that we can rejoice today. Matter of fact, truthfully, only those who know Christ and are able to repent and remember can rejoice. A life of repentance and remembering leads to a life filled with rejoicing. All of us want rejoicing, but we cannot get rejoicing without repentance and remembrance. 
You'll never make it to rejoicing until you repent of sin and turn to Christ and remember who He is, what He's done, and who you are and what you have in Him. Where there's no repentance, there's no rejoicing. Where there's no remembering, there's no rejoicing. And the Lord's table is a place for the saved to rejoice in His person and work. Rejoice because of who He is and what He has accomplished for us. His body and His blood shed for us. Rejoice because of who you are and what you have in Him. Be reminded of such truth. Rejoice because of who you belong to. You belong not only to Christ, but to one another. The Lord's Supper not only reminds us of our union with Christ, but our union with His church. And not only leads us to have communion and fellowship with Him, but with one another. This should be a joy, dear Christian. It should be marked on our calendars. It should be something that we anticipate, that we prepare for, just as next Sunday should be, and the following Sunday, and the following Sunday. Because we should rejoice that we have been made alive in Christ and brought together in Him. I want to give you a few reasons to rejoice here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, just over a couple pages. Look with me in verse number 51. You say, I'm just struggling to rejoice this morning. All right, let me read this. And if you're still struggling after it, you raise your hand. I'll read it again. All right? Matter of fact, let's back up for a moment. Let's back up chapter 15, verse 1 through 4. If this doesn't allow you to rejoice, then verses 51 to 58 won't let you rejoice either. Verse number one, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, the good news, which I preach unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, but which also ye are saved. If ye keep in memory what I preach unto you, that's a remembrance. Unless ye have believed in vain, for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, that He rose on the third day according to the Scriptures. Are you able to rejoice yet? I hope so. Because if you're not able to repent and believe the Gospel here in verses 1-4, through four, then the next portion is not going to matter a lick to you. Nor will it cause you to rejoice. It will cause you to shudder because you will see that one day you're going to stand before God. But look at this. For those who have believed the gospel, verses 1-4, through four, who now can rejoice because we've been born again, who have been saved. But this is now our rejoicing. Verse number 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. I cannot wait to be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Do you see that this is a place to rejoice, dear believer? Lastly, this is a place to repeat. Now, I know that every church does a Lord's Supper every so often. Normally, we do it quarterly. Some do it weekly. There's some folks, well, you're not supposed to do it weekly. Well, it does not tell us. It doesn't tell us to do it quarterly. The Bible doesn't tell us when to do business meetings. It doesn't tell us when to make calendars and schedules or when to have a chili cook-off. There's a lot. But what it does tell us is this, and this is the key phrase, as often, as often as you eat this bread, drink this cup. So however often, often is, what we do know is it ought to be often. And when it does happen, it ought to lead us to these things. Repent, remember, rejoice, repeat. Why? Because come tomorrow morning, come this afternoon, I'm going to need repentance. Come this afternoon, I'm going to need to remember who Christ is and what He's done for me and who I am in Him. Come this afternoon, I'm going to need to rejoice in that because if not, I will be Plat, just flat, just destroyed and depressed. I'm going to need to repeat that throughout every day this week. And the Lord's table allows us to do it together. As often as we do this, shows that the Lord's Supper is to be repeated to bring us to a place of continual repentance, remembrance, and rejoicing. There's always a need for repentance. We don't outgrow it. There's always a need for remembrance. We don't outgrow that either. There's always a need for rejoicing. We definitely don't outgrow that either, do we? What we find is it's the least all three, and the Lord's table is just the place for it. Our hearts need today, my heart needs today, repentance, remembrance, and rejoicing. And God has given us the place to do so. As I shared with you earlier, I struggled this week with trying to give you something new. The Lord showed me that perhaps one of the greatest sermons that can be preached is simply partaking of the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper itself is a greater sermon than I'll ever preach. It does show the Lord's death till He come. It shows us who He is. It shows us what He's done. It reminds us of the riches that we have in Christ. And it reminds us that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. And one day this body, this bride is going to be called up to be with Him. Repeating this daily is the Christian life. Repentance, remembrance, rejoicing, it does not end. But it does edify. It encourages us. It equips us for the service of God and it brings us into fellowship with Him. Ultimately, as we do this today, it as well reminds us that one day there's going to be an ultimate feast where those of us who are in Christ will gather around His table. We will rejoice and remember the Lamb who was slain and is risen. <coughs> Today, I hope that you can rejoice. Today, I hope that we remember what we need not forget. Today, I hope that we are brought to a place of repentance. 
Repentance is beneficial because it takes my eyes off of my sin and onto my Savior. Today, the Lord's table is to do just that. To turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. The things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory grace. Let me ask you today, have you prepared your heart to gladly receive the Lord's Supper? Let me ask you first of all as well with this, are you born again? Are you able to partake? To actually know what this means and why this matters? Are you remembering your sins more than your Savior? Turn your eyes to Him today. Do you rejoice in your union and communion with Christ and His church? That's what this should cause us to do. We find that this is the place for us to repent, remember, rejoice, and repeat. This time we're going to have a time of invitation and preparation. This altar is going to be open. piano is going to play. And as the piano plays, if you need to be born again, if you need Christ as Lord and Savior, come take the Bible and show you Jesus. Today, dear believer, if you simply just need this remembrance and these reminders or rejoicing, come and find your place at the altar and just praise God for who He is and what He's done and who you are in Him that you can freely partake, not because you're worthy, but because He is worthy. And because of His blood, He has made us worthy. If you're saved today, this is the place for you. As this piano plays, this altar is open. If you have a need, stand to your feet. Would you come?